Marshmallows Hope, Hold On Pain Ends. Welcome to episode two. Thanks for listening. Um, I was supposed to have a guest speaker uh, come and share her story of grace with us, but at the last minute, we ended up having to reschedule because she's sick. So I was reaching out to other people that I have scheduled for future dates and to see like if anybody would come on and fill in her spot. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to find anyone at the last minute. So, you know me, I'm a firm believer that things happen for a reason, and so I believe that I'm the one that's supposed to talk to you guys today, and I'm going to continue sharing my story of grace, and on episode one, you know, I gave you a lot of my background, and it kind of went into how God's grace um, has blessed me uh, beyond belief, but I didn't really go into too much detail of how it came about or, or the things that have happened throughout. And so, you know, I'm going to try my best to convey um, the message that I'm trying to, to get across. But basically, today I'm going to talk to you about finding your purpose. Um, throughout my journey, uh, I've discovered that everybody on this earth is you know, born for a purpose. And some of us, it may be like a really big neon sign that says, hey guys, like this is your purpose, right? But some of us may not um, have that clarity or or we may never even get to see what our purpose was until, you know, like it, our legacy will be left behind and then our purpose will be fulfilled by somebody else. Um, and so, you know, when my son died in September of 2018, um, I kind of shared with you guys how I was stuck in this darkness. And so let me tell you a little bit about that or a little bit more about that. So um, I, the minute that my kid was pronounced dead, it was as if I had lost a sense of, you know, who I was. I needed to get to learn who this new person was because the person that I used to be like no longer existed. And, you know, some people may think like, Oh, Laura is still the same, but let me tell you, no, I'm not. Um, I'm my, my thought process is not the same. Um, you know, the things that I used to find important are not the same, you know, a lot has changed about me. And, it was kind of like I was in a battle, an internal battle with myself where I, I kept trying to find who I was. Um, you know, my whole life, I, I like for the last 14 years of my life, I was always, my identity was always four. You know, I would, when I would like cook dinner for my kids, you know, I would go and subconsciously I always would grab four forks, you know, and four plates. And suddenly um my Zachary was gone and when it came to things like this I now was only a party of three and you know my kid is always going to be a part of me to me I'm always going to be four no matter what but like in the physical sense it really screwed with my mind um because subconsciously like I would open up you know the drawer to get the silverware out and I subconsciously would grab four forks and then it was a really sad realization when it would hit me like, oh, there's no longer four of us that I need four forks for. I, you know, there's, there's now three of us. And I remember just being destroyed by like these, these things. And so, you know, I also had to learn how to deal with 
with PTSD. And that was the biggest challenge for me because, um, you know, prior to Zach passing away, I didn't really, I had anxiety a little bit. I mean, it was normal, you know, I was always worried about the future and worried about providing and things like that. But, um, I had to now like deal with a compact of, of things. Like I had to deal with PTSD. I had to deal with anxiety. I had to deal with depression. On top of that, it was the worries of, you know, having to take care of my kids who had also suffered this traumatic experience. Um, you know, and so learning the triggers and learning the things that would send me into these debilitating full panic attack modes. I mean, that was, you know, it was new to me. I didn't know what I was in for. Like I could be fine one minute and then the next minute, you know, a certain smell or a certain taste or, um, a certain sound, you know, would trigger these debilitating panic attack modes. And then, you know, for those of you who haven't had a panic attack, it, it genuinely feels, um, I guess the best way I can describe it is like you're drowning. You know, you're in a pool and you're underwater and you're trying to catch your breath and it doesn't matter what you do, you just cannot catch your breath. You know, um, your breathing starts to speed up, you start to hyperventilate um, and suddenly your face goes numb and you lose control of like your, your, the mobility in your hands, your hands start to kind of like cringe and cramp up. Um, and you are trying to get words out, but they don't come out, um, you know, to other people. You just have like this slurred speech or it's, it's crazy. And, um, I was having panic attacks several times a day. Um, and I had medication, you know, but medication takes probably 15 minutes to kick in and to like bring you back down. Um, and I was also very afraid of becoming dependent on the medication, you know? So it was a really big struggle to try to like have normalcy in my life, but you know, I didn't know what normal was anymore. And um, I think that really like losing a child is devastating enough, but losing a child to suicide, um, it creates a lot of guilt and it leaves you behind with a lot of unanswered questions. And um, in my experience, you know, I searched for answers and every time that I would search for an answer, you know, I was knocking myself down, basically like debilitating myself, you know, because I wasn't going to get any answers, but I couldn't as his mother stop searching for the whys. And, um, I also would create scenarios in my mind, like what if, you know, what if I would have been home sooner that day? What if I would have asked him to go with me? What if, um, you know, what if I could have said something different or done something differently so that he would still be here? And I created all of these questions and all of these scenarios in my head on top of, you know, that would send me into having these panic attacks or these anxiety attacks. And, and it was really, really difficult to finally realize that, none of those questions were ever going to be answered 
um, none of the what if scenarios were ever going to change the outcome. And to me, as an individual and as Zachary's mom, um, that was absolutely by far the hardest realization of my life is that no matter what I do, no matter what question I try to answer, like, he is never going to come back. It's not ever going to change the outcome. Like, he is gone forever. And trying to cope with that um, was excruciating pain on top of guilt, on top of self hatred because I felt responsible for this. You know, I was his mom. I was supposed to protect him. Like he was still supposed to be here. I failed him in some way. And it was just trying to, like, it just changed my whole entire life and my whole entire mentality. And, and this happened like within a matter of 40 minutes, like literally I was with my kid and 40 minutes, my kid was gone, you know? And so the minute that he was gone, it was like, boom, my brain just completely changed. It shut itself down. I don't know if it was to protect myself from like, obviously the shock of it all. Um, but there was this great sense of guilt. And so while all of this was going on and I'm trying to like, um, deal with, you know, setting up the funeral arrangements and just having to go through the motions of, you know, making decisions at the last minute that I had never in my life thought about, you know, I never thought about burying one of my children ever. So when it came to like the decision of sitting down at the funeral home and deciding on whether he was going to be buried or he was going to be cremated, cremated, and then like came to like finances and things like that. I mean, it was just, it was just insane. Having to make those choices was insane. But on top of that, um, not only did it have like great effect on my mental state, right? But it also affected my children. It affected um, my boyfriend, his children, you know, all of my family was greatly affected by this, but it was also affecting our community as well. And There were kids that the minute that they heard um, that Zach had passed away, you know, they were sending me friend requests on Facebook. And so all of this is greatly new, but all of these kids also had the same questions as I did. You know, these were his peers, these were his schoolmates, and these were his friends. You know, they wanted to know the whys. And they too had like the what if scenarios in their mind, you know, what if I would have been nicer? Like, what if I, again, would have listened or would have reached out or those types of things. So then I had like this great sense of responsibility. Like here I was mourning my own kid, but then I had all these other kids reaching out to me um, that were also mourning him. And I felt responsible. I felt like I had to be the one you know, to, to be there for them. Um, and so despite of my own pain, and, and I'm telling you this because this is what I was already fulfilling my purpose way back when, 
um, but I didn't know it. And hey, I apologize if you can hear stuff like banging around my car. Um, it snowed and there's a lot of salt on the road that's just like hitting my car. So again, <laughs> I apologize if you can hear that. But anyhow, back to my point. So I'm telling you these things because you know, had I like, had you talked to me way back then, so 13 months ago, I didn't, obviously, I was just going through the motions. I had no idea that even from that moment, I was already fulfilling my purpose. And now I can look and it's, you know, it's like clear as daylight. I can see that, wow, like way back then, I was already fulfilling this legacy. So, it's kind of crazy, but kind of cool at the same time. So, you know, I was there for these kids that would reach out to me. They had questions, but then everything turned chaotic when it came to the kids. Like there were kids fighting in school and there were other kids bullying each other and blaming each other. You know, Zach did this because you were mean or Zach did this because, you know, you said whatever to him. And and they were really struggling with this. And then so kids were fighting at school. Um, other kids were being suspended. And, you know, other kids were distraught. I mean, it was just, it was just crazy how it affected all of his peers. And so I felt really compelled, like I needed to do something. And I felt like I needed to... Um, reach out to all of them at once because I was getting bombarded by messages and I was trying to like answer every single one of them and I remember at some point like I even had my boyfriend like took my phone away and was like that's enough you need to like get some rest stop talking to these kids like I understand you want to be there for them but enough is enough and so I went on Zach's Snapchat I logged in because I wanted to send a message out to everybody and um, I told them, like, you know, enough is enough. Like, Zach wasn't a fighter. He was a lover. And you guys need to get along with each other. And nobody should blame anyone for Zach's decision to end his life. You know, and, and I was trying to be um, honest with them and caring. And I didn't want anybody to, like, carry any guilt of my child leaving this earth. So, you know, I kept doing that. Um, I kept making posts as I kept hearing stories, you know, of rumors and things like that. You know, I would get on Snapchat and I would be like, you know, just stop the rumors. Um, a lot of kids wanted to know how he died. And I remember like making that post of saying, you know, I don't want you to remember my son by his death. I want you to remember him by the way that he was and the way that he lived. Um, and so I kept making these posts and eventually these posts turned into, you know, hashtag your life matters to me. Or, um, you know, I found out that like my son was making posts about how he didn't want to live anymore. And that was just really devastating to me because, you know, like I, I, I wanted kids to know the seriousness of reaching out to someone when somebody made a post like that, you know, and so, um, I, I started making, um, like suicide prevention posts, you know, trying to reach out to kids and say, Hey, if you're struggling, like 
please reach out to someone, talk to someone. And then I would post like the suicide hotline, 1-800-273-8255. Or I would encourage them to um, text the suicide hotline if they didn't feel comfortable talking to someone. You know, you can text 741-741. And um, then I started um, encouraging them, you know, if they felt comfortable and they needed somebody to just, I, I did, made the decision to keep Zach's Snapchat open and they could reach out to me and then I could reach out to someone like if they, if they didn't want to open up to someone else, you know? Um, so I would say like, you can snap shadow three, one, three Z C and you can, you know, talk to me and there's no judgment. Like I'll, I'll seek the right help and, and so kids started responding to that and they started messaging me, you know, saying things like, wow, I just can't believe that despite of you losing your son, you're taking the time to be here for us. And um, a lot of his friends would reach out and just thank me for being there for them and thank me for being encouraging and for being inspirational and for encouraging them to get help. And, um, some of them even went a step further and reached out to me saying, you know, thank you for keeping his Snapchat open and being here. I'm struggling with depression. I'm struggling with self-harm. I'm struggling with suicidal ideation. And so here I was like in the midst of my own grieving and like all of the, um, just all of the darkness that was surrounding me. I was in a really, really dark place. You know, one minute I could go from being really angry to being really sad to feeling like I couldn't go on with my own life without my child. But I, I knew that I had to be there for my other two kids. So, you know, and I knew that like the aftermath of suicide was devastating. So like I couldn't ever you know, take my own life, but like it, it really got to the point where I felt like life was too much. And despite all of that, I would still listen to these kids and I would talk to these kids and then I would reach out, you know, to their parents if I, if I really needed to. Um, there was one particular girl that I, I, all I knew was her first name and, um, somebody had like, connected me with her just so that I could share, um, my story with her to encourage her to keep on living and to talk to her about, you know, the effects that, um, suicide was having on my personal life and on my children's lives. And I talked to her for a few days and then suddenly I get a message from her and she says, you know, thank you so much for being there for me, but I'm sorry. Like, I'm, I'm not going to be alive by the time that morning comes. And immediately I remembered panicking and, um, I remember calling the police. I didn't know what else to do. So I called the police and, um, the police came over. They like started reading our conversations, going back and forth. And in the meantime, I was still trying to get this kid to continue talking to me. And finally, I was like, look, I don't even know your last name. Like, I need to know who I'm talking to, please. Like, if you're going to do something to yourself, you know, at least give me your last name. And thankfully, she had 
a rare enough last name that immediately the minute she gave me that the police were able to go to her house find her and alert her parents and you know um there i can't say that there was any like uh, there was any sense of satisfaction right because i was just doing what i wish somebody would do for my own child and it was just um you know it, it was heartbreaking to hear these kids open up to me and but i kept doing it you know despite of anything that i was going through i felt that it was really important because I knew how badly I was hurting and I knew that I never wanted anybody else to feel the type of pain that I was having to feel. And so I kept on doing it. And then eventually I started um, publicly posting on Facebook and on Snapchat that no matter what, like I would be there for them. And um, I didn't know it again as, as everything was happening, I didn't know that I was already starting to fulfill my purpose. Um, there was just, you know, it wasn't clear to me then, like that, again, it wasn't something that I ever envisioned or I ever even had in, in mind that that would be my purpose. And, um, I shared with you on episode one, how I got to a point where I finally just like threw my hands up in the air and was like, you know, God, please like take the wheel because I can't do this anymore. And I genuinely like looking at the timeline of how things happened. I genuinely believe that like once I took that leap of faith, once I did that, once I surrendered, God took these like blindfolds off of me and started showing me what my purpose in life was. And, you know, helping these kids through Zachary, that's what my purpose is, you know, telling our story and, and making kids see that they too have a purpose in life and they too have something to live for. Um, that's what my purpose is. And it became clear as day. Like it was kind of like, for me, God was holding this neon sign saying, Hey, Laura, check it out. This is your purpose. Now, this is what you're supposed to do. Um, and I know that for some people, it isn't that way. For some people, it's not so clear, you know, but it, I wasn't seeking any of this. It, it just started like falling on my lap per se. Like, um, parents started to reach out to me. Um, parents of kids, you know, who were hospitalized because they had attempted to end their life, but they had failed. And now, you know, they were at a hospital trying to seek help and and these parents were distraught because they knew of my situation but they didn't want you know their situation to end in the same way so they would seek out you know for advice and help and eventually um, once parents started reaching out to me I took it even further and I started asking parents you know can I meet with your child like is it okay if I pick up your kid and and take him out to dinner is it okay if I bring him out to the farm or you know can I take him to um, a youth group with me and the response that I was getting from parents um, was amazing you know because I would think um, 
I, I, I genuinely, once I started asking and, and seeing if these kids could hang out with me, you know, I didn't know how parents were going to respond to that. I didn't know if parents were going to be like, no, like I've never met you face to face. So no, you can't like hang out with my kid. But you know, the, they knew that it was a detrimental and a desperate situation. And I love that because not a single parent, anytime that I asked if I could please like pick up a kid, anytime I asked, there wasn't a single parent that said, no, you can't. Um, or at least so far, you know, and so, um, I've been fortunate and I've been blessed to be able to like pick up these kids, um, and just have that one-on-one -on -one with them. And what's awesome about it is that already, you know, because of Zachary, because they can relate to Zach and his feelings and his pain, they found comfort in that and they found me relatable. So for kids to open up to me, it just seemed really easy. Um, like kids were opening up and telling me things, but what was heartbreaking to me was that when I would like, when I asked these kids, like, you know, why do you feel that your life is worth not living? Like, why do you feel that you should end your life? Um, the response that I was getting just was heartbreaking. You know, the type of responses I get from kids are like, because I don't fit in because I don't have the right clothes, because my hair is not up to, you know, the hairstyle that is acceptable in today's society. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was, there were things that to me just seemed so minimal and not worth ending your life, you know, but to these kids, like this is so real. Um, they genuinely do believe that if they don't fit in, they shouldn't be alive. If they don't have the, you know, name brand clothes that everybody else is wearing, like they shouldn't be alive. And my first reaction, because I'm a fixer, you know, and my first reaction initially was, well, I'll take you shopping. I'll buy you new clothes. You know, we can talk to your mom and like, see if we can get you a new hairstyle. Like, that was my first reaction. But then when I sat back and I thought about it as I'm talking to these kids, I'm like, you know what? Like I need to really teach these kids that like these type of things, although, you know, I'm validating their feelings and I completely understand like that this is a real problem that is hurting them in their life. Right. Although I want to validate that it was like, Laura, you have to do something bigger for them. You have to teach them that in life, like these things don't really matter. You know, there's more to life than this. And, um, eventually, um, I started talking like to kids about, you know, well, have you ever thought about how, when you do pass on to the next life, like you're not going to take your clothes with you. And then I started like building scenarios, you know, and, and, and using examples of things that I've struggled with in the past, um, and reaching out to God and praying about it. And I really do believe that, um, my purpose was even deeper than, than, than just talking to these kids and trying to get them through, you know, their detrimental day, like, I had a greater purpose and, and it started to just 
evolve. And, and my purpose was to teach kids that, you know, there's eternal life. Um, we all have a purpose to fulfill on this earth, but all of us, as long as you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, all of us are going to be granted eternal life. And when you think about eternal, when you think about like right now we're humans, right? So we think, okay, it's 724. And then we understand the concept of one minute, right? In a minute in 60 seconds, it's going to be 725. But like when you really, really think about eternal, there, there is no limit of time anymore, you know? And, um, the glory that we're going to have and the life that we're going to be given, um, it's, it's beyond our human comprehension. Like it's going to be beautiful. And, you know, I, I took it as, um, I took it like as, as a great sense of responsibility. A lot of these kids, you know, and, and, and I was afraid to be honest, to like end up pissing off some parents talking to their kid about religion. Um, you know, to this day, like I think about that and some people aren't comfortable with it. Some people don't want, you know, to instill that in their children, but I do feel that it is really important. So, um, I took it even further and I started to talk to the parents about religion and I started talking, um, to them about God. And, and then I would, you know, talk to the parents and, and coach the parents on the problems that their kids thought were so great, you know, how they needed to validate those feelings. Um, but they also needed to like instill in their children that, you know, those things are not worth like dying for. And it's just, it's really sad to me. Um, that to them, like, this is a real problem. And one thing I've learned about teenagers is they live in the now, like they live in the right now, you know, um, right now I don't fit in right now. People at school are making fun of me right now. Um, I'm being bullied right now. Like everything is right now. It's like, they have like these goggles on, um, that can only allow them to see what's going on right now. And they have no sense of the future. You know, they don't think, okay, I'm going to graduate high school and these kids that I'm dealing with, I'm not going to see most of them after high school. You know, um, they don't think about falling in love and having a family and, you know, or going to college and traveling the world. Like they don't think about these things because right now their world is so detrimental to them and the things that are going on right now are just so incredibly devastating to them that you know they're impulsive and they just want to end the pain that they're feeling and their way out is to end their life but I'm here to tell you guys like if you're listening if teenagers are listening if parents are listening like we have to teach these kids that there is a greater purpose beyond the right now. Like there's a greater life beyond what's going on right now. There is a future that you have to live for. There's a purpose that you have to fulfill. And again, your purpose may not be so clear to you, right? But it could just be that you were put on this earth to just be kind to someone. You know, it could be you going to that like lunchroom table and sitting with that kid that sits by himself every single day because he's an outcast. You know, or 
It could be like somebody walking down the hall and you know that this person is really clumsy and they drop all their books and everybody else is laughing. But instead of you pointing and laughing at that person, like you take that step of being kind and helping them pick up those books. Like you have no idea the words that you say, the things that you do, how they're impacting somebody else's life, you know, and, and that can be like something, something that you may feel was just so small and a random act of kindness to you was so small. It can be life changing for somebody else. And, you know, that can lead them to their purpose, Um, so it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like the, the game telephone, right? Somebody says something to somebody else. And then by the time that you get to the end of the line, it's changed. But like, you can take that scenario and turn it into a positive too. Like you can be the one person that is kind to the one person that nobody wants to be nice to because they're not the cool kid on the block. You know, and the same thing for adults, like adults at work, you know, there may be that one person at work that just gets under everybody's skin or that one person at work that you may feel like is strange or a weirdo and you just happen to walk up to them and just treat them like a person and have a conversation with them. And that may be your purpose. So again, you know, I don't have all the answers. I don't know what anybody's like what everybody's purpose is, but I can tell you that when you surrender your life to Jesus, he will shine a bright light on you and he will be like, this is your purpose. And, you know, it, again, it may not be so um, clear, but he will instill, you know, and, and lead you in the path and in the direction that is going to leave that purpose behind. So the other day, for example, so like we may live and we, we may never get to see what our purpose is, but we may have a responsibility of like leaving a legacy behind and then somebody else is going to be the person that fulfills that purpose for you. And so, you know, my son died um, and it devastated a lot of people, but in the last 13 months, I have watched my son touch more lives and reach more people, thousands of people, like literally all over the United States. I've talked to people who have heard about Zachary. And as his mother, um, it's heartwarming and it, it brings me... Um, great joy. And I, I hate the way that my kid died. I hate that my kid died at all. You know, he's supposed to be here. He's supposed to still be alive in my mind. Like this should have never happened. Okay. It could have been preventable. And, and, and if I could give anything in life to bring him back, if I could trade places with him, I would in a heartbeat. Um, but I read something um, the other day that said, you know, you may never get to live to see what your purpose in life is, but you may leave a legacy behind and then your purpose will be fulfilled by someone else. And I think that that's us. I genuinely believe that that's us. So 
God's grace has been so incredible to me, okay? He turned the absolute worst scenario um, of my life, you know, and I've been through a lot of crap. I've shared with you, like, everything that I had been through in life, but, like, this was the icing on the cake, and it wasn't a good, a good situation for me, you know? Um, when I lost my kid, it broke me. Um, but at the same time, it also humbled me because I was so desperate. It made me reach out to what I thought was my last resort. I had nothing else to lose. When I finally like genuinely surrendered and said, God, you need to take the wheel because I can't do this anymore. You know, I was going down this really, really dark path and, and I knew like I had nowhere else to turn. And when I finally surrendered and I gave it to him, his grace to me, he turned the worst, absolute worst thing in my life. And he has turned it into something so positive. Um, I know that through Zach's legacy now, I can talk to kids and I can relate to kids and I can um, validate their feelings and I can help them through Zach. And to me, that's just like incredibly beautiful, you know, because we're making a difference. But although I'm fulfilling this purpose, I mean, genuinely, this isn't just my purpose. This is my son's legacy, you know, and for anybody out there who is struggling with depression or with suicidal ideations and you feel that, you know, your life is not worth living or that your loved ones are going to be better off without you, I'm here to tell you that that is not true. Depression is a liar. Depression is going to put you into the darkest place and make you feel unworthy of love and unworthy of forgiveness. I've been there. I have been severely depressed, especially after losing my child. Like I felt like I needed to alienate myself from absolutely everybody around me because the guilt of losing my kid or allowing this to happen is I believed, you know, that I was really responsible for this. Um, it made me want to like just alienate myself from everybody and and it made me feel worthless and depression is a liar but through God's grace like I've overcome that and I now know that my life your life is worth living you have a great purpose in this world whether you get to see it whether it's that big neon sign that tells you like this is your purpose um, or whether you don't you have his glory to fulfill. We're created all in God's image and we're all here to fulfill God's glory. So, you know, don't give up. Seek help. There's so much help out there. Um, if you know of a friend who's struggling, you know, be a true friend by reaching out to someone. Like if you think that that person is going to get super upset with you, um, for reaching out and, and for telling somebody else, no, they will thank you later that you didn't allow them to take their life. They will thank you later that you helped lead them, you know, into the path that they were put on this earth for. Like, 
all of the things that we worry about in the right now, we have to really, really, truly see that tomorrow isn't going to be the same as today. You get to start a new chapter every single day. You know, every night when you go to bed and you're feeling hopeless, you just pray and you give it to God. You know, um, I cannot stress enough. I mean, it's, it's really easy for people to find themselves in really dark places and in really hard circumstances and just be like, I have no hope and I have no faith. Um, but my advice is, is to, you know, change that train of thought and, and hold on to hope and hold on to faith. Um, we were all created in the image of love. So all we want as humans is to feel love and to feel cared about. So if you think about that, you know, when, when you're talking to someone who is struggling, all they want is, is to be heard. All they want is to know that their feelings are real and that their feelings are validated. And as parents, you know, I was guilty of this too. Like, when our kid, you know, we're so busy with our lives and, and our children come up to us and they just want to like talk about how devastated they are because they lost this fort mat, Fortnite match. And to them, it's like super detrimental. And you're thinking like, seriously, it's just a video game, right? Um, but no, like to them in that moment, you need to stop whatever you're doing and you need to like validate that. And you need to really take in the fact that to them, hey, Fortnite, you know, they lost this battle and it's the end of the world to them right now. But then you have to help them refocus. And then you do have to let them know that those things are really not what life is supposed to be about. Um, okay, so um, I'm going to go ahead and end the episode here. Um, my point is, however, that you know, we're all created for a great purpose and you may find your purpose or you may just leave a great legacy behind for that purpose to be fulfilled. Um, but it's incredible when, when you are put on a path and you are actually showing. And I, I, I genuinely believe that once you completely surrender and, and let him guide you and let him lead you, he will lead the way and, he will um, reveal to you the greatest version of yourself and lead you into that um, into that path of leaving that legacy behind or fulfilling your purpose. And so, um, you know, I, I couldn't be more blessed. Um, I couldn't be more thankful um, for just deciding to surrender my life to Jesus and having him be so graceful to me. So, um, I just, I wish that, you know, I could take the whole world and, and show them how amazing he is and how loving he is and, um, how much hope he's given me. And my faith continues to grow. Um, you know, it's, it's on a day-to-day basis and I'm human, you know, I, I still have struggles. Like I'm not trying to say that my life is perfect by any means. It's not, but you know, I've learned that our lives on earth are not supposed to be perfect, you know, because those life experiences actually 
get us closer to Jesus and and help our faith get stronger. So anyhow, I hope everybody has a great day. God bless. And um, episode three, we will have our um, first guest speaker. So tune in next Wednesday.